It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're of course going to dive into the Wisconsin Northwestern matchup. If you missed our last episode, that was mostly Paul Chris focus in terms of the firing, but there is still a contest between the Badgers and the Wildcats this weekend that we've got to focus on and talk about and preview. So we'll get into our regular game preview for that. And then in the back of the show, we do have an interview this week with Gavin Dorsey of Inside and you, our uh, SB Nation's sister site, um, covering the Northwestern Wildcats. He gives us a, a better idea into what Northwestern kind of, what's gone mostly wrong this season and what's gone a little bit right in terms of the Wildcats. So should be an intriguing matchup for us on Saturday afternoon. So let's go ahead and get right into it. In terms of, we always start with the offense and what to expect and then the defense, but I'll be completely honest with you guys. I don't know what to expect in this contest from Wisconsin. You've talked about this entire week has kind of been across media, across the the team itself, across from what Jim Leonard said in his comments. It's all kind of been about the situation unfolding at Wisconsin in terms of the firing of Paul Christ. I feel like a lot of focus has been given to that, and rightfully so. So for me, it's hard to know where this team is at in terms of just overall headspace. It's clear that there's frustration. You know, in, in the interview with some players yesterday, the overall consensus from what I took from them is that mul- multiple players are very frustrated, very upset by this decision. They, I do think they've, after a few days of process, are understanding more so, but where this team's head and energy is at right now is hard to kind of engage and, and understand where they're going to be when it comes to playing a game on Saturday. Same thing kind of goes for Jim Leonard in terms of the staff. He talked about that, you know, what's realistic for him to expect and what they can all kind of cover now that, especially on the offensive side, you're down a huge piece of someone that helps make your game plan week in and week out. Now, Bobby Ingram and the offensive staff, all of them have coached football long enough that they can piece this thing kind of together. But Jim Leonard on the defensive side as well, you know, now has to wear multiple hats and do a little bit more than he's used to doing um, in terms of just focusing on a defensive game plan. He's now talking to recruits. He's now talking to players and managing everything in the locker room, talking to a coaching staff that I would imagine this coaching staff probably feels a little bit uneasy given the nature that Paul Chris brought a lot of them in. And if you're going to make changes, nobody is safe when it comes to possibly hiring a new coach. Or if it is Jim Leonard, some of these guys probably might get retained. But I think it would be a mistake to, you know, cut ties with Paul Chris and fire him and not make, you know, major other changes across uh, the, the, the rest of the coaching staff. So it's a lot to try and manage going into a game. 
and especially going into a game against Northwestern, a place that Wisconsin historically, especially over the last couple decades, has not played well. Um, They've lost six of the last seven contests in Evanston. All of those games have kind of been ugly, gross games, a lot of mistakes, a lot of issues that have caused the game to end up being lost. And that's kind of what's been Wisconsin football over the course of these last two weeks and and even that Washington State loss as well. So to try and preview what's going to be coming from this team is hard to say, but I do think when you look at in terms of just basing it on numbers, when you get into the offensive side, I think Wisconsin is going to have to try and find themselves on the ground. I mean, we're talking about an embarrassing loss for this team last week, but really an embarrassing offensive output in terms of what they were trying to do. Unable to run the ball. I'll give credit to Illinois. Their front is good. They've done a really good job at stuffing the run so far this season. They've done a good job at creating havoc, which is what they did against Wisconsin. But the Badgers should be able to run the ball better than they did last weekend, and that has to get better. The play calling has to get better. The passing game has to get better. But if, you, if you're if you Wisconsin football, if you can't run the ball for more than two yards a game, there's no sense in, in trying to preview anything else for this contest. If you cannot establish the run, Wisconsin is going to get beat nine times out of ten. That's just the way it is, the way it's been for decades. That's the way it's going to be with Paul Christ as the coach. That's the way it's likely going to be without Paul Christ as the coach. This team is built on a running identity, and they need to get back to finding that this weekend. I would have to imagine... Guys that are using, you know, kind of this this firing and this coaching change as fuel, like Braylon Allen said, you know, we've got to use it as fuel. I would expect him to come out with his hair on fire. Now, there's certain holes that have to be open. The offensive line is going to have to have that same intensity, but I do think that they'll be able to come out and kind of establish the run against a much weaker front. A defense for Northwestern that has really struggled against the run, struggled to stop big chunk yards and, and struggled to, you know, slow down a defense. They they have mucked up some games. You know, last week they only lost to Penn State seventeen to seven. But this defense has not been it's not the normal Northwestern that defense that you've seen the last couple of years. It is better than last year. I mean last year Northwestern ranked towards the bottom in virtually every statistical category. There have been improvements there, but this team still is is struggling on that side of the ball and that's as as Gab Dorsey will let you know in the back half of the show, actually the defense looks like maybe a bigger issue than the offense um, through over the course of these four, first four, four weeks. The scoring outputs might not say that as much. It's, it's a lot of one-score you know, one games, but this Northwestern defense has not been very good when you dive into some deeper numbers. So I do expect Wisconsin, in terms of the offensive side of the ball, to come out, reestablish the run, try to just get in and out of this game and, and get some of those a package play is working. Look, we, we've talked about the wrinkles that Wisconsin has thrown in that haven't worked. Last week, there were a lot of wrinkles that were poorly timed and, and not just not very well executed. You're talking about the Wildcat, the third and two Wildcat. You can't get two yards against Illinois, so you run a Wildcat play with Brandon Allen. Second and 20, read option with Graham Merch. It, it's those type of plays that they, they need to just move away from. If they're not going to work, let's try and focus on getting the the – basic runs in play and get that running game going and then throw off of that. I will say one thing that I took from Jim Leonard's Tuesday presser in regards to the offense. He said, you know, how can I best assist you because I'm a defensive mind. I don't call the offensive plays, but I'm now the interim head coach. How can I best assist you? And when he talked about what he wanted to see from this offense, he did talk about wanting to establish the run. I don't think that mantra, at least right now, is going away. We talked about Lance Leipold. We talked about Sean Lewis and all these changes that might come to the offense someday. 
But for right now, you can't make wholesale offensive changes in week six of a college football season. You've got what you've got installed. You've got to run it. You've got the players that you've got. You can't make these big you know, grand changes and improvements halfway through. So I do think running the ball is going to be something that we're going to see significantly. The other thing that I do think stood out to me that he mentioned was running the ball and then working our play action. He said that multiple times. We're going to work our play action off the run. Play action is not something that we've seen a lot from this offense thus far this season. It's been something that's really been kind of a head scratcher for me and in terms of what this offense is doing and what this offense is is trying to accomplish. Because when you look at the offenses of, of Paul Chris past, it's been a lot of play action. And, and now this is, of course, Bobby Ingram's offense. And I, I think there are people that are still wondering how much influence Paul Chris had in the offense but each week, Paul Chris has not had a play sheet where he's calling plays. It's been Bobby Ingram calling the plays. And with that, you have to imagine that this this group, just for whatever reason, he's not implemented and, and ran a ton of play action. And I think that's a huge piece of Wisconsin football that we've seen in years past that has worked. That But you have to have a run game established with it. So I think we're going to see... A little bit more of that, establishing the run and then trying to create some play action off that. So maybe there's new packages that were installed. Maybe there were new things that were put in. But overall, I think you could see uh, possible, you know, I do think that Graham Mertz, despite the struggles that he had this past week, needs to throw the ball a little bit more. I do think that the athletes on the outside that Wisconsin has are still very good players and can make a difference but it's going to have to start with the run game and it's going to have to be worked off that play action. So hearing Jim Leonard kind of hit on those couple points when talking about the offense leads me to believe that it is going to be a run heavy approach. It is going to be kept on the ground, maybe kept a little bit more vanilla with such a wild week in place, but maybe also some play action off of that, which I think would be a welcome sight for all of us, um, given what we've seen the first five weeks with this offense where we haven't seen a play action. I mean, I think back to that second half, against Washington State, it felt like over the course of the game, and I know we're, we're going back three weeks, three, four weeks now, but it felt like over the course of that game that that was what Wisconsin needed. They needed to hit a big play on play action, make them respect um, the, the pass game a little bit, make them respect the deep ball, and just never came from this offense. So if they were if they were to work in some play action this week and try and hit some plays like that, I think it'd be huge for this offense and it would be a nice improvement and maybe a nice little wrinkle added as they go forward and try to salvage the rest of the season. I know things are dire. It's two and three. You've got two Big Ten losses, but this division is so bad, frankly, that it is very winnable. You You've lost the tiebreaker to Illinois, but it's not impossible to see Illinois dropping two conference games. So Wisconsin has been poor. A lot of things need to change to even, I think, to even get to a bowl game. But this, there's still plenty ahead of this team to try and play for, and maybe they'll rally against you know, with Jim Leonard and, and try and turn this thing around and right the ship. Not saying that I think it's going to happen, but I think this team has motivation there to try and do so. Switching gears now to the defensive side of the ball, I'm interested to see where this defense is at. I've talked about it already. Jim Leonard wearing a lot of different hats. He mentioned in his Tuesday presser, he, he didn't know what to expect and to what's a realistic expectation for what he can handle. He mentioned, that, you know, maybe I need, will need to step back at some point and put my focuses and energies elsewhere. He said he has very, you know, trusting in the staff that he's got on the defensive side. So that will be the interesting part to see because I do think you're going to see a situation where this defense that's been a little bit out of sorts will also be playing with that same energy, but 
will the week of practice that they had is is going to be an interesting one. I mean, this would be if you could go back to last Sunday afternoon up until this Saturday, it would be fascinating to be a fly on the wall to see how things are working, see how things are, you know, unfolding now. I, I do give credit to Jim Leonard in his presser. He talked for about a half hour, which if you've been to or been to or listened to a Paul Chris presser in the past, it's usually 15 minutes, and those 15 minutes you get, frankly, hardly anything of, of significant info from him. That's just kind of the way he is. Not a huge talker, a quiet guy, doesn't like to give the media anything. I know behind closed doors he's a little bit more animated and, and more of a talker, but Jim Leonard talked for a half hour and I think was very insightful about what what's going on with this team in terms of the emotion, the expectations, and that. So I do think this defense will come out highly motivated as well, but I wonder just how much the game plan is is in there and, and what's in place for this team because this Northwestern offense has two pieces that can work. Evan Hall's very good running back that will give them a good test, and then Northwestern's quarterback Ryan Holinsky has played a lot of football. There's been very bad moments for him, but he's had some good moments both in his previous career at South Carolina and his current career at Northwestern. They've thrown it around a lot more than usual. They've just tried to find creative ways to get Evan Hall the football from him. So it's going to be a lot of short passing, a lot of dink and dunk type plays. But the other thing to watch for with Northwestern's offense is the tempo. Surprisingly, you think of Northwestern offenses of old, they move a little bit slower. You know, Clayton Thorson days are kind of an outlier where they did move a little faster and they threw it around a lot more. But this year, they're moving at a very quick pace and they're throwing the ball more than they have in recent years. Has it has it worked? Not really. It's it's kind of been a struggle for them to get this offense clicking. But it's clear that they're trying to do something different in terms of the speed that they're working with and the approach that they're taking in terms of throwing the football more than usual. So I'm fascinated to see how that tempo, if it does start to click and work, how Wisconsin responds to it. They've struggled with tempo in the past. Last week, Illinois is a team that runs about just as fast, frankly, as Northwestern, and that gave Wisconsin some troubles on the offensive side of, or defensive side of the ball going up against that Illinois offense. So I expect kind of a similar situation here where Wisconsin is going to have to be buttoned up, ready to go from the start because that pace might be quicker than what they're used to, and it's something Wisconsin has struggled with. The passing defense has not been all that great. The run defense hasn't all been all that great, but I do think Wisconsin's run defense can improve and should be able to handle this. I'm more interested to see how the pass defense you know, kind of focuses and how they are and how they take to this game and how they perform because, it, frankly, it hasn't been pretty. Both sides of the defense, 74th, I believe, in defensive success rate against the run, 76th defensive success rate against the pass. So overall, the, neither side has been all that great. Neither side has been you know, completely abhorrent. You know, it's not like they're ranking 130 out of 130. Like other schools, they've been, you know, at, at that 70 mark, completely average, which is not something you're expecting to see from Wisconsin. I don't think the defense has been as bad as we think and as bad as it's looked the last couple of weeks. But I do think that they've been a significant step back from where they were years ago as you're you know as a Wisconsin fan you're coming into the season expecting a top 5 10 25 defense at worst year in and year out and this team so far this defense has not been that now is part of that youth is that part of that injuries it all can be used as an excuse but frankly there needs to be an improvement on that side of the ball and be interesting to see how they fare against this northwestern attack that 
hasn't been all that great, but will possess some new challenges. And again, this is a football game. Can't forget, this is a football game being played at Ryan Field, which has been a house of horrors for Wisconsin of late. We'll go ahead and get into our matchup to watch for this contest. I think there's a couple different matchups that we've already kind of talked about. I do think it's going to be Jim Leonard's defense against his Northwestern offense. How Wisconsin will kind of perform. I think that's an overall matchup to watch. Um, But specifically getting into uh, maybe a player matchup, which is something a little bit different than what we've done. Peter Skaronski against Nick Herbig. That's going to be a really fun one to watch. One of the top offensive linemen in the country and Peter Skaronski going up against one of the top backers and and pass rushers in Nick Herbig. I will say Herbig, of the guys that talked to the media that seemed like they had the most emotion kind of built up, Nick Herbig was the one that seemed to, you know, lead the lead the pack in in terms of the emotion that he felt in in terms of this Paul Chris firing. And he's a guy that's I think based on what we've seen from Nick Herbig, he seems like a guy that really feeds off of that emotion and and that's just kind of the way that he seems to play. He's a fiery player, he's an emotional player, and I think you know, those two going up against one another and, and him trying to, you know, Peter Skronsky, whether depending he gets as, as the matchup, you know, be lined up at left tackle. If you bring Herbig over there or do you switch that and put Herbig as a matchup on the right side, that's going to be a fascinating matchup to watch because, as I mentioned, Peter Skronsky going to be a, a top, you know, round draft pick for Northwestern. Of the pieces that they have, he's the by far the best. And Nick Herbig, if depending on what side you're pass rushing him on, that could be a fascinating one to look for because there's a guy with added emotion that is already having an incredible season and a guy that is is one of your top you know, NFL prospects across the country. So that's going to be a fun one to watch and kind of dives deeper into that Jim Leonard defense versus this Northwestern offense because overall that's the side to watch for. I, I think Wisconsin's offense against this Northwestern defense will certainly have the conversations, but that's kind of you know of the – Two of the two worst sides of the football right now, it's been Wisconsin's offense and Northwestern's defense. The two best sides has been Wisconsin's defense and Northwestern's uh, offense. And that's pretty bad considering how bad those both of those units for both of these teams have looked. So I'm fascinated to watch that. I'm also fascinated to see how Braylon Allen attacks, you know, some of these Northwestern linebackers where they still have some talent. But overall, that, that Herbig-Skaronski matchup is the one that I'll be watching, which leads very nicely into the players to watch. I think if you're picking a player that you're going to be talking about on Sunday, it's going to have to be um, Nick Herbig and Braylon Allen. These are, as I mentioned, two of the guys that have shown the most emotion, said that they need to use that that fuel that they've had. John Torchio might be a player as well in terms of the you know Northwestern throwing the ball a little bit more, maybe forcing some turnovers. But I think if this... If things bounce back and if Wisconsin rights the ship and just comes out with their hair on fire and, and possibly blows this game open, it's going to be because Braylon Allen just came out and, and had one of his freak games that he had last season. And it's going to be because Nick Herbig and this defense come out with just their hair on fire and make plays, force turnovers, get in the backfield, make sacks, and shut down Evan Hall. So if you're talking about the two players that, that you frankly think will step up and need to step up, it's got to be the leaders of your team. It's got to be your best players in situations like this. So if I I do think Wisconsin will bounce back. I do think there are going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some mistakes as they transition through this. But I think they do find a way to win. And I think it's going to be on the back of Braylon Allen and uh, and, and Nick Herbig into the rest of this, um, into this contest. 
Moving on down now, I think we have to get into our score prediction for the game. And as I mentioned, I do think Wisconsin will win. I do think this could be a higher scoring game, not higher scoring compared to, you know, the LSU and Tennessee game that will likely be on or the UCLA uh, Utah game where it's going to be points, points, points. But I do think this game, just given the defenses, I think Wisconsin's offense is going to come out with something to prove to try and get themselves going. I do think the Wisconsin defense is going to come out with their hair on fire, but I do think think there will still be some lapses from this team. It's hard to make sure everything's buttoned up this week as you're going through all this significant change. So I could see Wisconsin having still having some lapses, maybe being a better overall team, but still having some issues. So I expect this game to be a little bit higher scoring, and I expect this game to probably still be close. Again, I hit on it a couple times already, but this game is at Ryan Field. It's a place that Wisconsin has struggled with energy, but if they can't get energy uh, for this game, there's even deeper issues than have already been hit on. So I do think the Badgers will come out, play better. I I will say it's going to be a, a, probably a, a tight game. I'll go 27-20. to 20, Wisconsin gets a win in a kind of back-and-forth game. Um, I do expect big games from the players that we already talked about, but I do think it will be a closer game. So I will give that to um, you know, the 27-20 mark, Northwestern within that 10-point spread. Um, in this contest. To finish up now, we'll go ahead and get into our Big Ten predictions for the rest of the conference. We'll start with Friday night's contest. Nebraska traveling to New Jersey to take on Rutgers. I'm going to go with Nebraska in this. I think Mickey Joseph has turned some things around with the Cornhuskers. I think they can, they, they defeated uh, Indiana last week. They've got their other crossover game here against Rutgers. And this, I just don't buy this Rutgers team. I know they're sitting there at 3-2, and two, but they just got destroyed by Ohio State, just like everybody is. They got beat up by Iowa. They're going to come into this Nebraska game a little worn down, and I think the Huskers are starting to find a little bit there um, on Friday night. So I'll go with the Huskers, um, 6 o'clock on Fox Sports 1 for that contest. Rolling into Saturday now, Michigan traveling to Indiana. Don't expect this one to be a game. Uh, I think the Wolverines will handle this one with relative ease. Moving on to the other 11 o'clock game, you've got Purdue and Maryland. Uh, interesting one here, I think. It's hard to read where Purdue is at in this contest. Coming off a big win over Minnesota last week, but you know the week before um, had a tough two weeks before had a tough loss from Syracuse, and then he had a tough battle with Florida International, or excuse me, Florida Atlantic. So I don't know where Purdue's at. I do think this could be a game um, that is back and forth. You know, both teams can throw it around a little bit. I'll go with Maryland at home, but this one feels very close and very tight. Um, in this intriguing, maybe one of the more intriguing matchups of the entire weekend, just given what's across the rest of the slate. Up next now, you've got Ohio State traveling to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. And I am not even going to spend much time on this one. Ohio State's going to roll in this game. This Michigan State defense is atrocious. They survived well enough against Maryland um, last week in terms of uh, what the, they allowed through the air. The last year and in the years before, it's always been, oh, can Michigan State hang around? And Ohio State just comes out and torches them through the air. This past defense is horrendous, and I think Ohio State will continue to roll in that contest. The 6-30 game, very interesting one, because you're looking at two teams, Iowa and Illinois. Right now, Illinois, the leader in the clubhouse in terms of the Big Ten West. I mean, you this is a huge game in the Big Ten West with Purdue knocking off Minnesota last week. Illinois kind of got a, a nice play. They do have a conference loss with Indiana, but you, you've you got a big game here that could, I don't want to say 
it's not going to eliminate any teams. This Big Ten West could come down to the absolute wire, but this is a huge one when you talk about Illinois trying to avoid that second conference loss, as is Iowa. So the, the, you're going to talk about multiple teams now with Big Ten conference losses. Wisconsin, as I said, sitting behind the eight ball with two, but one of these teams is going to have two already, and, and Purdue and Minnesota, one of them is going to have a, a second one already as well. So it's going to be a fascinating one to watch. I do think I like the uh, or excuse me the Hawkeyes in this one. I think this Illinois team is very good. I do think they're they're incredibly talented. But something about coming off of last week's huge win, a lot of emotion for them in that win to now facing off against this Iowa team. I think Iowa might be starting to find a little bit in terms of their offense and their defense as solid as ever. So that one's going to be a fascinating one one to watch. But I will side with the Hawkeyes in that contest, although I don't feel like overly confident about either side. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the show. We'll now go ahead and get into our interview with Gavin Dorsey to get a deeper look into the Wildcats. But before we do that, a couple quick ad reads. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Badger fans, joining us now is Gavin Dorsey of Inside NU. He's on to give us a little bit of an insider perspective on the Northwestern Wildcats for this upcoming contest. Gavin, thanks for hopping on with us. And my first question is, do we really even need to play this game? Wouldn't we both better off if we just pretended this thing just didn't exist and turned our attention elsewhere? Oh, I, first off, <laughs> thanks for having me. But, um, you know, unfortunately, it does seem like this is something that needs to be played as much as you know, as much as I'm probably going to regret watching this game, and as much as you're probably going to regret watching this game, I feel like both teams could agree to take a bye week off and uh, sit this one out. Maybe it'd be better on both sides, but yeah, despite despite the uh, the tough start for both teams, this is a game that will have to be played. And Wisconsin, this will be played at Ryan Field, which is a place that Wisconsin has struggled, losing six of their last seven trips to Evanston. Over, I hear they're working on some maybe some possible upgrades. This is the last time we'll see the traditional Ryan Field, or will that be around for a couple new years? I saw some new stadium renderings. Yeah, so I believe next fall, 2023, is the last year that we're playing at Ryan Field. And then I think they're going to probably move to Soldier Field for like two years. And then 2026, we'll get that brand new, shiny new stadium that will solve all of our football problems. So... <laughs> You well, know. hopefully, hopefully that uh, that new shiny Ryan Field will be a little bit better for Wisconsin than this current one because the Badgers have struggled there. But all right, to get to get more serious now, Northwestern comes to this game one and four, and Wisconsin. Uh, right now, the conversation is about coaching firings. Is there any chance that Northwestern 
would move on from Pat Fitzgerald if the, this doesn't turn around, or has he built enough credit to kind of work through some of these issues? For right now, I'm going to say no for this year. I feel like, well, first off, let's start off with the fact that Pat Fitzgerald's buyout would be absolutely massive. I mean, dude's probably got it. I mean, he effectively signed a lifetime contract. I believe he's inked through 2030. Um, so not really a lifetime contract, but they their plan was to keep him there for a long time. And I think, you know, as much as many people would say, that obviously this is a Fitzgerald problem and it needs to be fixed. I don't think that the athletic department is ready to move on so quickly from somebody who brought them so much success. I mean, you have to look no further than the men's basketball team with Chris Collins. Uh, He led them to their only NCAA tournament championship appearance, and that was in 2017. So five years later now, he has had, I believe, three losing seasons in a row, maybe four, uh, and three of those seasons had 10 plus game losing streaks. But because of that one championship or that one NCAA tournament season, Northwestern not willing to let go of him, despite how much of a horrible coach he's been. So because of that, Pat Fitzgerald is basically ingrained into this university. Right. And I really think that, you know, like we talked about on, uh, we had inside a new host of podcast every week called pound the top. We talked about it last week, how it seemed like Scott Frost is like what the son of Nebraska. It seems like Pat Fitzgerald is the father of Northwestern pretty much. And so I think it would be very difficult to get rid of him this year, especially not before making coordinator changes, which is what I think Northwestern needs to do after this season is, you know, clean sweep on the offensive and defensive coordinators. But see if Pat Fitzgerald can mix it up and get some talent um, with other different coordinators. And then if that's not a problem or if that is a problem, then I think Northwestern would eventually look to move on, but definitely not this year as much as some people would probably say, you know, losing to an FCS opponent and losing to a Mac opponent and going 0-3 in non-conference play for the first time since 92 is a fireable offense. I just don't see it happening this year. Yeah, I don't see it either, I guess. But uh, nothing nothing would shock me at this point after a similar situation with Wisconsin, you know, a guy that won plenty of games and, and shipped him out the door. I, I know I've been very candid about I think it was time to make a change, but it, it, nothing in college football would, would shock me anymore. But I do think that would be maybe an overreach to like a guy like Pat Fitzgerald go who's had so much success there. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. In terms of you just talked about the, the record and, and the loss to a MAC program, an FCS program. That's obviously not great, but the record one and four, every game has been within 10 points. I mean, the, the largest margin of victory was last week and get, you know, with Penn state winning by 10. So it does feel like all the games have been close. So is, are things as bad as the record kind of indicates, or have there just been some unlucky breaks that have made this, you know, one and four record, maybe not as bad as it might seem. I would say, honestly, things are worse than the record shows. Um, I mean, you look at the box score, right? And you're like, oh, they only lost by 10 to Penn State. Um, They only lost to, I believe, Southern Illinois was a seven-point game and Miami was a three-point game. Southern Illinois and Miami were games that Northwestern should have blown their opponent out of the water. And, you know, you can't really look at the box score and say, oh, they only lost by this much because – as a Big Ten team, you should be significantly better than those opponents. I'm not saying that upsets don't happen because they do, um, but Miami is regardly or widely regarded as one of the top. I, I saw a list; it was in the 25 worst Power Five or not Power Five FBS teams. Southern Illinois 
is an FCS team that got blown out by Incarnate Word. Um, the team just has, I don't know, it just seems like there's no heart in this team, honestly. And I think the way that Northwestern has lost these games has been pretty disheartening. And they've kind of found a different way to lose all three of them. So the first one with Duke, like, you know, you fall in that early hole, 21 nothing, come back and then fumble at the goal line, heartbreaking. But then the next two, it's almost like you could tell from the very beginning that Northwestern was going to lose the game. And it's entirely because of a lack of opportunities that have been capitalized on. Um, I mean, you can look at the most recent game uh, to Penn State. Northwestern had five takeaways, uh, four interceptions, one in, or sorry, four fumbles, one interception. I can't remember the last time that Northwestern had five take. Actually, that might have been Wisconsin 2020. <laughs> Graham Hurts Graham uh, probably single-handedly gave them five takeaways. But that was a good team, you know, and that was a team that could capitalize off of opponent mistakes. And that's what Northwestern's always been built on. But now it seems like anytime Northwestern does get some kind of a break, the offense can't capitalize it on it or, you know, they turn it right over. So if you get seven points with five takeaways, that is not a, that is not a winning program by any means. Um, I would say, you know, in regards to the close losses, I, I don't think any of them should have been close. I think Northwestern should have won those two games against Southern Illinois and Miami. Um, And if they had somewhat of a competent offense, to be able to put up more than 17 points, they honestly could have upset Penn State if, you know, if the offense was able to execute and capitalize off the turnovers, but it wasn't. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the offense. It kind of takes me to my next question, transitions us really nicely. You know, I think Badger fans likely think of Northwestern as, you know, from years past, kind of a ground-heavy approach, control the clock, let your defense kind of win to the game, similar, similar to what Wisconsin has been in years past. But looking at Northwestern, you know, kind of offensive numbers, they're they're moving at a very quick pace in terms of seconds per play, and they're throwing it around the yard a lot more than usual. So what is kind of the, and it seems like at least from the, what you're saying, the offense hasn't necessarily worked. So what is it that they're trying to accomplish with this new offense, and why do you think it's not working quite yet? Well, what they're trying to accomplish is get have the offense run through Evan Holt you know, as many plays as you can, right? So he's got 415 yards in, on the ground, 343 through the air. He is single-handedly their offense. Um, they've tried to do some some dual back stuff with Evan Hull and Cam Porter. Um, Cam Porter, of course, coming back from injury, although he hasn't looked incredibly strong. So what Northwestern's offense and identity needs to be is that ground and pound. And the reason that they haven't been able to do that is you know partially because of the play calling right so they have you know consistently put their offense in bad situations with bad play calling I think Ryan Helinski needs to be a complimentary quarterback so when the run game dominates they pick up seven yards on the first two downs and then he converts a third and three on a slant or something easy right he shouldn't be asked to hey Ryan it's third and ten we want you to air it out you know um the play calling has largely been an issue. There's been, you know, when you're not finding success running up the middle, it just seems like Northwestern is very content to do the exact same things that they haven't found success with. So the offensive coordinator doesn't really adjust throughout the game as much as he should. And so in games when Ryan Holinsky is struggling, 
he's very hesitant to, okay, now let's just run the ball 15 plays in a row, you know? So I would also say that the offensive line has been outside of that first Nebraska game and the, you know, uh, second game where Evan Hold dominated, the offensive line has been suspect at best outside of, um, you know, All-American candidate Peter Skaronsky. And so because of that, Helinski has less time to throw. Evan Hull's being able to run less behind that. And, you know, kind of as a result, it's this sort of panicky mindset. Um, I think personally, if I were the offensive coordinator, I would say get Evan Hull the ball every single play. I think if it's not working on the ground, then do it through the air, get him screens. He had that 213-yard receiving game against Duke. Um, and Ryan Helinski at quarterback is such a – confidence-based player that even converting those simple screens and stuff is just enough to get him mentally going and get him in the zone and it really seems like the offense and like the play calling hasn't done a great job of recognizing what will get Halinski into the zone and what will get the offense clicking better switching gears to the defensive side of the ball you know I think uh, thinking again to what Badger fans kind of know of Northwestern traditionally has been this really tough defense and I know last year that kind of took you know, under a new coordinator, things really turned the opposite way. And this year, it looks like it's been a bit of a struggle as well. What's kind of the issues on the defensive side of the ball? Or are they kind of pulling their weight in the offense and just kind of putting them in negative situations? I would say the defense has definitely put the offense in negative situations so far. Um, I mean, obviously, we had uh, Northwestern had Mike Hankwitz as defensive coordinator, one of the, you know, one of the best in the country throughout his, uh, throughout his tenure, especially in that final season in 2020. Um, and then replaced him with Jim O'Neill, who didn't have a great track record in the NFL in college, anything. Um, but Pat Fitzgerald knew him. And so it was kind of a, you know, like, you're my friend, I'll get you in kind of thing. And since then the defense has struggled mightily. Um, I'm not sure if that is a, I, I currently believe it's a scheme thing, um, whereas it's just too – either it's too complicated or I don't know what the issue is, but there just always seems to be holes in the defense. Uh, the linebackers aren't fast enough to keep up with any of the receivers or tight ends, and you know they had the worst running defense in, I think, the Big Ten last year, 214 yards a game about just on the ground. Um, the defense can't stop a nosebleed that's and that has put the offense in the tough position so if you put this offense along with the 2020 defense I would say you see a lot more success because you know Helinski doesn't have to take them out of a 21 nothing hole like he did against Duke like Duke scored on the first three drives of the game all touchdowns that was how bad it was and so I would say it's a combination of lack of talent on the defensive side along with injuries uh, top cornerback Cameron Mitchell was out for two weeks. Coco Azuma, I don't think we've seen him since the Duke game. He has been he has been ruled out for the rest of the season, um, and overall just struggles with fit and chemistry. Um, last year, a big thing was the youth and lack of experience on the defense, and now you can kind of see the defense clicking a little bit more. I would say their last game against Penn State was definitely their best, but throughout the rest of the season, it just, the defense just has a knack for giving up long passing plays, long running plays. And honestly, I believe that Braylon Allen is going to torch Northwestern on Saturday. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I'm struggling with 
how I think this game is going to go. I think you've got, you know, as you mentioned, two offenses kind of struggling, two defenses that haven't played all that well compared to traditional standards for this team. So what are your expectations for this game? And if you'd like, give us a score prediction for this contest. I feel like it's going to be a very ground dominant game. I would say, I know Wisconsin had what, two yards rushing last Mm -hmm. game, something like that. Um, So obviously not in that mindset yet, but I think that'll urge the Badgers even more to get back to that ground game, get back to what they're so strong at. Um, And I honestly think on Northwestern side of things, they will once again, try to go back to Evan Hull and Cam Porter and just ground and pound um, and try to make the quarterbacks. So Mertz and Helinski have as few turnover worthy plays as possible. Um, with that being said, I feel like I just, I get this feeling it's going to be like a 17, 14 game or something like that. Like pretty, pretty low scoring, um, you know, clock winds out pretty quick. Uh, I would say it's really hard to pick for Northwestern here. So I'm, I'm going to go with Wisconsin and question is, do I trust Northwestern's offense to get 14 points? And I'm not sure I do. So we're going to go with uh 20 to 10 Wisconsin. It's funny that you say that it was tough to, it's tough to trust because I, I was just writing an article where I was like talking about the, the betting line of 10 and I was like, it feels hard to trust Wisconsin, but I think that's just kind of a, the mantra of what it's been for both of these teams thus far this season, just a a tough start for both teams that traditionally um, much better in the big 10 West, but we'll see how this one shakes out. Both teams can maybe get back on the right foot this upcoming Saturday. Gavin, thanks very much for joining us and uh, enjoy this game as much as you can. All right. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. All right, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast, as always, on Wisconsin.